Our scripture this morning comes from Mark's gospel, chapter 5, starting in verse 1, we will read through verse 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke into pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told, told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused. And he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I know we've already uh, given them a little applause already, but I am just so thankful, and I'm sure you are too, of all of our choir members and musicians and everything that they add to our worship service. So, And if you missed the opportunity, come back next year because over the weekend, many of our uh, musically talented people were engaged in entertaining us Friday and Saturday night. Some of them have powered through and are still here even after the loss of an hour of sleep, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but we just have a lot of talent in our church, and we're so thankful uh, for each and every person. And you will not be shocked to know that no one invited me to sing uh, this weekend. 
And uh, uh, the closer you get to me when I'm singing a hymn, you'll understand why. We're going through the Gospel of Mark during the season of, of Lent. We've now covered uh, passages in Mark 1 through 4. And today we're looking at chapter 5. And we're looking at this strange and unique story that Pastor Michael read to us and we heard a little bit about in our children's moment today. About a man who was wild-eyed and crazed that Jesus encountered there in an area near the Sea of Galilee. I, I read a story recently about a Catholic priest who was sharing what happened to another priest that he knew. This other priest was out in front of his church one day, walking around and happened to be accosted by a man who just seemed crazy and was sort of jerking around and speaking nonsense. And finally, the man said one coherent thing to this priest, and that was, I have a message for you and your church from the devil. And the priest thought for a moment and said, there's some confusion the church that takes messages from the devil is down the street. Would you like their address? <laughs> you know, when, when we encounter the strange and odd and scary, we don't really know what to do, do we? Uh, the immediate thought is, what's going to happen to me? Am I safe in this situation? There are these visible, strange, odd acts of folks that we encounter, but thankfully it's not that often. Jesus encounters this man near the Sea of Galilee in an area that it was populated mostly by people who were Gentile, meaning that they were non-Jewish. This area, the Decapolis, is a federation of 10 different cities in the area on the southern and southeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And mostly the people that lived in the Decapolis, the 10 cities there, were Gentile. And we know this not only because of history and archaeology that we can tell that very few Jews lived in this area during that time, but also Mark tells us that there are about 2,000 pigs that are there in that area. And pigs were unclean to the Jewish population. They were seen as ritually uh, unclean and were not to be eaten. So you would not find a herd of, of swine, of pigs in a Jewish city. So this is a Gentile area. Jesus is sort of out of his comfort zone, so to speak, as a Jewish man, along with his Jewish disciples. And yet they find this man and Jesus encounters him. The man actually comes and bows before him and the, the demons speaking out of him actually talk to Jesus. Jesus heals him sends him on his way, and then the people beg Jesus to leave. Now, the point of the story, if you were to read it closely, is that Jesus is the son of the most high God, as the demons say about Jesus. He is the person who has healed people already. If you look through the first four chapters of Mark's gospel, you know Jesus has already done some amazing things of healing sick people. But he's also calmed a storm in the very passage right before chapter 5. He has spoken just a word or two, and the winds and the waves 
calm down and stop. Jesus is demonstrating time and time again in the very early chapters that he has authority from God. And this passage underscores that. Not only does Jesus have power and authority over the wind, the waves, and diseases, but Jesus has authority over these demonic forces as well and can send them wherever he wants them to go. That's the point of the story. The point of the story has nothing to do with God's view of, of, of pigs. That, that's not the point of the story. I know some folks get a little bit out of shape. Why would Jesus do that to those, pig, those poor pigs? Wilbur from, you know, Charlotte's Web. No, that's not the point of the story. That's something to wrestle with, but that's not the point of the story. But at the same time, even though the main thing is who Jesus is and the authority that Jesus has, I still think that we need to go a little deeper in this man and his community because there's something going on there that's worth discussing. First of all, we find, again, this is a Gentile area, Gerasene or Gerada, uh, that is over there in the area of a steep, steep bank and cliffed area of the Sea of Galilee. The man is so taken over by these demons that have taken over him, literally, that he cannot be around anyone else. He is, in a sense, forced out of the city to live among the tombs. He is not safe, and, and he is beyond human help. There's nothing they can do. They've tried shackling him at his legs and his arms and wrists, but he breaks free. He's wild and crazy and unpredictable. He lives among the tombs. He hurts himself. He howls at night. No one wants to go near this man. In a sense, for the people in the city, this is the best situation because he is out of sight and out of mind, right? They don't want to deal with him, it seems. No one is out there advocating, checking on him, serving him. He is just off in the wild. And when Jesus shows up in the boat, the man runs up and kneels before him. It seems like the demons are in charge. And when, when the demons say their name, they say their name is Legion, Legion which if you know about Roman military groups, a legion is about 6,000 soldiers. Now that doesn't mean that this man had 6,000 demons within him, but it was many, it was many demons. Enough to fill up 200 pigs. And I am unsure, this is uncharted territory uh, for most Methodists here. We don't delve into this a lot, do we? And yet. We know that this man is suffering greatly from whatever is going on here with these demons that are tormenting him. And they are, they are crippling and ruining this man's life. Jesus encounters him and calls out the demons, send them in the pigs. The pigs go over the hill. They die. And then the man is set free. He's restored. When the people hear that the pigs are dead and that the man is healed, they come and it says that he is in his right mind and he is sitting calmly next to Jesus. Can you see the difference that happened in this man's life? It is night and day, isn't it? He went from being wild and howling to sitting down next to Jesus, calmly discussing 
life, thanking Jesus for what happened. And the people are scared. They are so frightened that this has taken place. And we're not very clear in the Gospel of Mark whether they're more mad that this man is healed or that the pigs are gone. (laughs) We don't know. And, And hopefully, hopefully it's the pigs because if they're mad that this man is healed and he can re-enter into society, that says something pretty dark about the human nature that we all share, doesn't it? You know, the, this man was obvious in his hurt. He was out there alone, uncared for, left to suffer by himself. And once Jesus restores him, Everything changes. You know, the side effects of being healed and restored is that now this man can interact in society again and he can enter into the community, which may be something that upsets his neighbors. We do know that he begs Jesus to take him with him. Jesus says, no, stay here. Tell your friends. Tell them what happened. Let them know what God has done for you. And not only does this man tell his friends, which it's amazing he still has them, right? But he goes around to the whole federation of 10 cities. It said he goes through the Decapolis telling about what Jesus did. He is restored. And because of how this happened, he goes around witnessing and sharing the good news and asking people to celebrate what God has done for him. But the side effect for the community that he was, in a sense, out of mind and out of sight of, is that they are fearful. They're scared of either this man and what happened to him, or they're scared of Jesus. Either way, they are so afraid they ask Jesus to leave. Can you imagine that? If something like that happened where a person who is struggling and just terrifyingly ill was healed, I think most of us would say, wonderful, amen, that is so great. But they are so terrified, they are so terrified that they want Jesus to leave and never come back. You know, we operate in our worst out of fear. Any decision that you have to make, if it is made out of fear, it is usually going to be wrong, either totally wrong or the steps you take to make that decision are wrong. We should not operate out of fear, and often we do. This community, if they did, if they did make their decision based on their fear of this man, then they are robbing themselves of the miracle that Jesus just performed because they could welcome this man into the community again and see him as their friend, their person who was once lost and is now found. There is a lot going on here. And of course, we don't often see people at such wild and unstable episodes of demonic possession or even mental health. Mental health is often something that is hidden, hidden wounds, poor mental health that is, hidden wounds that we don't see. They go sort of beyond or beneath the surface and we're unaware of the issues or the hurts that are in the lives and in the hearts of people around us. 
And yet those need healing too, don't they? There's not a single person in this room with any kind of emotional, mental, or spiritual illnesses that Jesus wouldn't have sympathy for and want to heal. Jesus would not back away from you. Jesus would come right to you. He would not let you go out and be alone in the wilderness to harm yourself. He would want to be there right with you. We may not see healing immediately like this man has had, but we have physicians and friends and family and therapists and medical professionals that can help people get towards their own healing. But I think it's important because sometimes when we are, we are dealing with these hangups or hurts, we may feel like the man out near the tombs that no one notices or even cares. To be a community means caring for people and helping everyone find restoration, helping everyone, doing what it takes to get them the healing that they need. Years ago, I was a pastor at another church and one of our church members was a retired colonel in the army. He uh, had several medals of valor from his time in Vietnam. He was an author and he was one of the best bass singers in a church choir I'd ever heard. He could go real low. <laughs> his name was Stretch. He was very tall. Colonel Dunn. Stretch Dunn. Uh, he was a man of uh, intense integrity. And he noticed that after the wars on terror were ending, people were coming home from Afghanistan and Iraq with big hurts, moral wounds, PTSD. And he was noticing that they were coming back and re-entering into society and not everybody was finding it easy to do so. And often these folks were sort of on the sidelines or out of sight, out of mind. They were hidden from society. He wanted to help them. So he began this ministry called Veterans Leadership Ministry to help people that were fresh home from war, to get them into community, to get them to learn and to use their skills again, to be productive in society, but also to find the counseling and care that they needed. Several people went through his program and were able to recover more than they probably could have ever on their own. He helped connect them to counseling, to job opportunities, and he did this over and over and over because he had experience and love. One of the things that Stretch noticed is that when you're dealing with people who are out of sight and out of mind, left to fend for themselves, you have to often find where they go. And for some of these folks who just returned from overseas, they found themselves almost sort of as a reflex, joining with other veterans, whether they knew each other or not, and going to shooting ranges. <laughs> they would go to a, a range and they would shoot because it felt normal to them, more normal than everyday life. And so Stretch was able to go and meet people there who were out of sight, out of mind, left to fend them for themselves, and to guide them through the steps to restoration. I think it's beautiful when churches, when people do what they can 
to help those that are forgotten, whether they be people fresh home from Afghanistan or people that are poor, homeless in urban Birmingham, church members, mission agencies that are planted downtown to let to make sure that nobody feels forgotten by the church, that they, are ma- they matter, that they're noticed, that they're cared for. We can't send every single Christian to these places, but we can send someone. Maybe a church can't, maybe every church can't be planted in a place where there's that kind of need, but we can send volunteers to those places. Jesus paid attention to the man that everybody else forgot, everybody else left for dead, in the tombs near the Sea of Galilee. He was so much of a danger that people just let him go. But it was Jesus, it was God who would not let him go. The more that we notice the forgotten, the more that we notice people that have real deep hurts, the more that we demonstrate that we have the light and the heart of God in our lives and in our churches, the more that people will believe that God is love and that God cares. When, When people will say, if God cared for me, then God would do something to fix this situation. They also say something else. If God loved me, then the church would love me too. Friends, When we notice the forgotten and reach out to those who are hurting, we reach out not with our own frail, imperfect hands. We reach out with Jesus' own hands, Jesus' own heart. We cannot let the forgotten go. Jesus wouldn't do it. And he wants us to continue to do that. We can do it through Anchor. One of our church members this morning reminded me that Anchor is one of those places that reaches out to those with memory loss issues that sometimes are forgotten by society. The brown bag, the kids that are forgotten sometimes because they're hungry when they're not in school. There are other areas where you or the church reach out and make a difference. Let's not allow people to be forgotten. Let's not allow people to be abandoned. Let's remind them that there is someone, someone who created them, who created all of us, that sees them and loves them and wants something more for their lives. Amen.